0: All right, guys, welcome to the Cry About It podcast, that podcast about all those sad songs that make us all oh, so happy. This week, I'm honored to be joined by A Day Without Love from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, a.k.a. Brian. And That's Brian great. and I are going to talk a little bit about his music. Uh, I did some diving, saw you on a podcast, which really interests me as well. And we're just going to dive into it and, and talk music and sad songs and everything great uh, about this world. So, Brian, so, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. This is really cool. And uh, I just love your concept of community and connecting with others. So, I'm down to talk. So, that's 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 something that has uh, really developed through this
0: podcast. It kind of started out originally as as a promotional tool. It was just going to be to promote an emo night that I throw, right? And mm-hmm. that lasted an episode. And yeah. it really morphed towards more community building. and. True. Connecting in any way we could during this pandemic, and now as we're you know seeing where where we're led after the pandemic, still connecting with people and building that community and you know building the the music as a whole how it connects people.
1: True, true, true. No, I hear that. I definitely hear that.
0: So you are an acoustic folk indie uh, punk uh, DIY artist yep, from Philadelphia, correct. Pennsylvania, which. Yep really caught my eye and I was really happy when you reached out and you sent me a trailer that you had put together. I get messages all day, every day, right. Of people that sure. that are trying to, you know, podcast or the thing now, right. Everybody has a yeah. podcast. Everybody's looking to talk and, and, and get out there. And uh, I, I just can't do everybody. Um, sure. So when something stands out, it it, it really uh, takes a lot to catch my eye like that. Thank you. And I loved it. And can you talk a little bit about it real quick?
1: Certainly, certainly. So uh, myself and uh, my friend, uh, videographer Brianna Spouse, we had this relationship where she was like my photographer for like live shows and like promotions for records and stuff like that. And sometime in like 2018, uh, I wanted to do like a release, like promo shoot for this record I wrote called Diary. And I I pitched the idea that, like, you know, one of my dreams as a musician is to create a documentary or series of documentaries. I got inspired by so many people from, like, Tyler, the Creator to, like, just the YouTube culture of, like, when musicians started telling stories about themselves. Where, like, it wasn't necessarily, like, hey, listen to my album, but this is what my life is like. And, um, you know, growing up in Philly uh, and then growing up in, like, a mixed life where, you know, I was... In Catholic school, but I grew up in a black church, but I had family in like the inner city, because like the part of the Philly I, I lived in was like a safe part, like growing up around those three very different Environments caused me to like always shift the gears about who I am, but it also helped me become a storyteller uh, in a way of like having different experiences also helps you appreciate different cultures. So that's like that exposure always led me to wanting to write songs and write You know content around people's experiences so i i told her i wanted to make documentaries about life experiences not not documentaries to get rich or like you know go on netflix but life experiences so she's like that's really weird because i've always wanted to follow a band and make a documentary and i was like yo want to like get food and talk about it so i i used to do a lot of youtube vlogging and i was like talking to people that i met um, on tour or just in the city of philly and we would talk about all sorts of things like sheets versus Wawa. i did that with apes of State in lancaster or uh different types of cheesesteaks i did that with like three dudes and some meat that was a project in philly like all sorts of topics and um i decided you know what how about i go on the road and book like 20 dates and talk to people about their music culture and their relationships with the music culture because like being in philly being in pennsylvania those are like, that's a music culture. Like, you know, Harrisburg, you get a certain vibe. Lancaster, you get a certain vibe. Philly, you get a certain vibe. So I was like, well, what about the rest of like the US around me? Like I had toured and done regional tours and US tours before, but I never got the time to talk to people. So uh, our first date was in Lancaster and we talked to Sonic Scam Productions. And from the bat, we started talking about safe spaces and the value of safe spaces and the value of like uplifting marginalized voices. And then we hit Philly, that's our home. Talked about the same thing. And like, keep in mind, we started these conversations with what's important to you as someone that curates and advocates music communities. And we started talking about this stuff. It wasn't like we went in, like, we're going to make a documentary about safe spaces. We're going to make a documentary about diversity and inclusion. The story told itself from that tour. And even during that tour, we went to some spaces that weren't safe. And, like, we didn't put that in the documentary, but, like, we do put in the story, like, these are some things that we experienced. So, like, after going through that touring experience and debriefing and looking at all the B-roll, we decided, like, let's make this documentary about the value of independent music and the communities that come along with it. So, um, right now, like, the trailer will be coming out April 15th, and we hope to like have it released in June. And the only reason why I say hope is because, you know, production's real, we're very in-house DIY. And then after that, we want to start sharing the documentary at like private releases with nonprofits and communities, because we do want to ship it to fests and things like that. And we'll have to do some fundraising with nonprofits to help uplift other people with this information and this documentary. And we also need to like cover cost of production. But other than that, We're really just trying to create and share our experience and what we learn from other people with other people that have been in DIY, have been in music, uh, that are also creative and trying to create community. That's kind of like the point of it. So
0: I'm absolutely fascinated, and this is the second week in a row on the podcast that it's kind of came up, of the idea around community and safe spaces that center around art, be it a music venue or an art space. Um, I owned a venue, uh, in Scranton, Pennsylvania in the early 2000s. Well, I guess late 2000s, early teens that whatever we want to call that time, uh, called Eleanor Rigby's I quickly found that I hated drunk people and I hated owning a bar and I hated everything that went along with that. And I loved so much the venue aspect of it. Right. Um, mm. Monday through, through Thursday, that stage was open to any local band that wanted to come play and we would do shows. And, and, and I would always say like local bands need a place to be bad and to find themselves and figure that out. And, you know, we had the biggest bands and, you know, radio bands and and new fungal or like big bands there. Right. True. But when I look back on it, the shows that matter and, and stick with me, are the shows of the local bands that like I watched go from like True. and watch them develop. And and I still have those relationships with, we were a bar, but I put a chain link fence from ground to ceiling and split the venue right in half. So there was that safe space on the other side and for parents to trust us enough. Like I was a 22 year old kid. I don't know how, how or why they did, but we developed that to like, this was this clubhouse for local musicians and True and, and it took me leaving that venue for a long time. Um, you know, yeah. Financially it it was a disaster and, uh, you know, I I felt like it was a failure for so long, but now like I'm, I'm reconnecting with a lot of those people and I'm, I'm seeing them, you know, be from successful musicians to great parents to all that. And, and we talk, they talk about those times that they had there. Mm -hmm. And that's the best success that I, I think I could have found to, to give that place to, kids that like it wasn't your you know your popular high school football kids you know that are there it was the people who needed somewhere and needed a a, a space to be themselves I'm, I'm obsessed with this idea of fostering spaces for people mm-hmm. and did you find as you went throughout the country um with, were there unique differences wherever you went or was the idea of community kind of the same and just the maybe the architecture or the the the, the space the physical space different
1: I I like that you say that. So I would say like, you know, safety is like infrastructural and interpersonal, you know, and that's like, that speaks for itself, but I could say the idea of community definitely was a little different, but still relatively the same. And what I mean by that is like, you know, people were still about support the local band just as much as you support the touring band, you know, Mm. find out if everyone's having fun. Uh, Curate like the the name of the night to make sure that the show ends at a decent time. Don't be too loud all all those things were still in check. One place that really stuck sticks out to me is uh, this place in St. Augustine, Florida, called Sal A lot of people that have toured uh, up and down the East Coast are, are familiar with it. And at the venue, there was a list of safe space rules. Um, and, you know, we, we filmed that and, and share that in, in the documentary. And we didn't get to like interview the owner because the owner wasn't there, but we did get to talk to some of the people that like have been familiar with the space to share just the value of safety. And it was really interesting for us because coming from Philadelphia, like, you know, bars are, it's a different experience at every single bar, right? Right. Like when you're in Philly, uh, like there's bro bars and the punk bars, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas like Sarbez was a bar at a venue and like the minute you walk in, you just see these rules, like keep your hands to yourself. Like, you know, uh, don't harass anyone. Don't, don't like make sure that someone is too drunk. Like, you know, make sure they get home safe and things like that. Uh, And that stuck out to us because other spaces were very independent. Like there were houses, they were uh, art spaces, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, I think a lot of times ideas of community is either vocalized or sometimes it's like kind of felt in the way that other people talk to you. And I could say throughout the tour for the exception of uh, two spaces, well actually three spaces um, it, it definitely felt like home.
0: That's great. I, so I, I'm from Scranton mm-hmm. and there's, there's, there's a, a strong music community there. I wouldn't even oh, yeah. call it a, call it a scene. Um, it's, it's a community. It's a family Um, and then I've lived in Harrisburg for the last 10 years. Um, but I spent a lot of my late twenties in Philadelphia, pretty much every weekend, um, at shows and, and, uh, spent a lot of time in Northern liberties and, and kind of on the cusp there. So I definitely, even in Pennsylvania, there's, there's regional differences to, to the music and the access and, and the different spaces. But I would say the community is all the same. And I, I, I've done a little touring. I, I can't play an instrument. I, I can't sing. But I've, I've tour managed. And I've sure. been out on the road. And, and I've, I've found that to be true for the most part. And like you said, like, sometimes you just end up in a, a shitty spot or a yeah. shitty situation. But um, I found that, that that warmth, that welcomeness, the uh, support of the art, kind of always shines through even if regionally different
1: certainly and and, you know there are even some shows that weren't well attended but still felt like home right you know and that and that's what i meant by like you know infrastructurally it was different but like in the end of the day it was all about what's your story what are you about what do you have to share because i always believe in writing from the heart as opposed from the ego. There was definitely a time in my life where I did write from the ego and it was, it turned out very sad. (laughs) But like, you know, when I write from the heart, I'm able to share a wider blend of like who I am and what I have to say. And you know, you could feel that from other people. And it's not even just in music. It's like when someone wants to give and share a part of themselves to help other people, you, you really stick to that value of community. You stick to really making the world a little bit more wholesome at least in my opinion so no
0: i i would agree with that and i I think that that shines through in your music at least the music that i dove into in the last couple days Mm -hmm. preparing for this thank you i i i come from this weird spot where for many years uh, music was a job right and then probably about five to six years ago i kind of cut that aspect out of it for me like it it became you know, I have these connections. I've done everything I I ever dreamt of doing in music. So now it's going to be completely about, if I don't believe in it, I don't have to do it anymore. So I'm very selective with what I I work with and who I work with. And um, through that, I really became ingrained and fascinated a lot more and discovered the more DIY side of music where I always grew up, you know, with that and, and, and use that kind of how I cut my teeth, but I kind of forgot it and got away from it and, and lost that for a while. But I love, I loved going through your, your Instagram and, and seeing those shows and, and seeing that, that video. And I think that there's something so true and honest to that. And, and I, I you mentioned apes of, of state I'm very familiar with that band and Matt plus. I, I noticed some flyers with your name on it. And then uh, I, Think, But I could be wrong because I've been going through a lot in the last couple of days of, of reading, but uh, Billy Mac. Are you familiar oh, with Billy Mac? Yeah,
1: I, I personally feel like Billy Mac as a person. I literally just emailed Billy yesterday. <laughs> yeah. um, like as a person that kind of regrounded me to where I started in music okay. because I do play multiple genres like if you looked at my whole discography, like even my features, you could find me doing a hook with a hip hop artist, you could find me playing guitar with EDM, but at at the whole ground like I'm, I'm definitely a storyteller and a folk punk artist. And like when I first started playing music, even before I called it a day without love. I remember like playing open mics. I remember opening up for Koji at State College, you know, and stuff like that but I didn't call it folk punk. It was just me with a guitar, right? Right. Um, But keep in mind, I'm singing protest songs and and, and things like that. But again, I wasn't calling it protest songs, but then when I met Billy Mack, and then Billy told me about Matt Plus and all these other things happening in Pennsylvania and other folk punk artists, I was just like, well, all of these people have similarities with me. And also like, you know, I'm in recovery six years and a lot of them are also, thank you, are also sober and they're also like trying to th- like, you know, fight the, the good fight and share positive things. And I think for me, like meeting people like Billy and, and Matt and, and apes and, and so many more like really kind of grounded me in a way where I was like, yo, I've got community in a lot of places and, and I, I'm thankful for it.
0: So Billy has been very influential on in my life,
1: probably
0: yeah. without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to college with Billy. Mm. We crossed paths a lot. Uh, our majors kind of crossed paths and took a lot of creative writing classes with them. And mm. uh, he used to throw shows like in lecture halls
1: on wow. campus. Mm-hmm.
0: And that was really my introduction to DIY DIY, right? Yeah. And I remember walking down a hallway the one day and just hearing this music coming out of, of a lecture hall. And there were like three people in there. And it was Endless Mike and the Beagle Club from Johnstown. Um, they're kind of like a, a folk punk band from, from Johnstown. My favorite band in the world. Like, of all time, I, I fell in love with the music, uh, kind of connected with the guys. They sent me some records because I wrote for the paper. To this day, like, super connected. They they finally, like, you know, 20 years into it, signed with Anti-Flag's record label, like, did some cool stuff. Um Billy introduced me to that band and then Billy introduced me to the idea of like, Hey, I could throw shows. So like Billy was on the first show I ever threw for the newspaper. We threw like, uh, it was the Stroud Curry. We threw courier fest and, and just had all these independent bands come and play and Billy played it. And, and we, we kind of stayed connected like through Facebook throughout the years, but definitely had a huge influence on my life. I find him to be one of the most fascinating people I ever met and he, I, I, I'm not going to quote his poetry, but we took some poetry classes together and the most vivid detailed poetry that like I could recite it line for line to this day, subject matter, not appropriate for a podcast, but (laughs) amazing um, alliteration. And and it's really cool that, 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 you know, Billy as well, but I know in that person, that DIY scene, he's, he's so influential. Um, yeah. so that, that's really, that's a, that's, that's really neat and shows how small the world is and
1: yes, seriously.
0: the degrees of, of separation. Yeah. And, uh, I, I loved what he was doing with the coffee house, um, yep. in, in Allentown. I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I admire everything he does so much.
1: Yeah. And he's got a record coming out soon. So, I'm I'm, I'm just always happy with whatever Billy's thinking of. So yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, it's all. It's always going to be interesting, if if nothing else. Sure, sure. So you spoke about coming up in Philadelphia and having all these different influences. Mm-hmm. What what was it like? So my experience to Philly, I've never, I've never tried to 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 do music in Philly, right? I've gone to a lot of shows. I'm familiar with the big players in the area, just co-buying shows and stuff like that. But what is it like? It, it seems like such a, a rich vibrant full music scene but I imagine especially since a lot of people move into philly for their music career it, is it is it competitive is it is it tough is it like how do you find kind of breaking through or, or carving out your your part of of the True. Philly music scene
1: you know I so growing up in philly versus like being part of the music scene uh scene are like two different things right and the reason why i say that is because a lot of people that grew up in philly are not even part of the music scene and the people that are part of the music scene aren't from philly so i always felt like i had to do a lot of like social adjusting and what i mean by that is like understanding where i need to put my ear to the ground because my very first show wasn't considered a diy show it was actually like a hip-hop show With like graffiti artists and break dancers, it was really cool, right? And the DJ that like hosted that still DJs in Philly. Well, not now, but like DJed in Philly a lot, and like has their own scene. And like, I think watching him develop his own community, and even like going to abandoned warehouses and seeing Diplo start his own community. Gave me the, like the green light that Philly is and is not competitive at the same time, because at the surface level, you could see it like being really competitive. But because the city is so big, like a lot of us are just trying to find our own niche and some of us make that niche and find that niche. And some of us never do. And I think what I had to do to keep my ear to the ground is just like meet a lot of people and find out like where I fit in and do a lot of events with different people, organize. I mean, I can't, I've lost count at how many charity or political events I did in Philadelphia, to be completely honest with you, whether it was like Philly for Bernie, working with Rock to the Future, all sorts of things. And it was kind of like, you know, when I was starting to put myself out there as a day without love, the first three to four years was really like, how many things can I do till I have a name for myself? And now it's kind of like, I feel like I have these different hats in Philly. But I'm thankful that I have that because you know, it was because I would hop trains, not hop trains like in the folk sense, like I right. literally took different trains across the city and met people like I'm going to watch your show, I'm going to play your show, I'm going to go to this open mic and I don't think I'm part of one scene in Philly. I think I'm part of multiple scenes, but I think for a lot of people, they find their their, you know, four or five bands and they stick there and the beauty of it is it's kind of carte blanche like you know or a la carte rather like you choose who you want to be around like there's definitely some big bands that i respect but i don't like see them either because i don't have time or just like there's no way for me to fit in around that community um so it's really like a lot of different ideas that peacefully coexist and i say peacefully because i'm pretty sure drama exists in ways that i'm not aware of (laughs) like the world's not perfect but i think being in philly uh is definitely a, a whole time and i think the most obvious example of that in my like discography is my record Megajon. it's a compilation record where i sought to collaborate with 10 people and i ended up collaborating with 25 like uh, producers, session players. I, I ended up collaborating with 15 different songwriters, but like all of these people, and I made this one record. And for the exception of two of the acts, they're all from Philly. That's awesome. And I think that's the most obvious example of me sharing what I said is like, it's not one community, it's not one scene, it's a lot of scenes. And like, some of them are aware of each other, some of them are not, but I feel like for me, I've kind of created my own little community
0: which I think is great. And what, what I, what I really latch onto from that and and the idea of not only are you playing shows, but you are going out and attending and supporting other artists. And I talk to a lot of, I I do a lot of uh, the music conference circuit Mm -hmm. and I speak and, and something I I always hone on is, is networking and and connecting and talking to people and uh, building relationships. And I I talk to them about in their cities and and usually I'm talking like in a Harrisburg or a Scranton. um, And, and especially in Scranton, I, I I speak to a lot of the artists up there a lot. And I'm like, guys, like the easiest way to start out is to build a name for yourself in your own market and, and develop that in the same market. I was like, you're not going to be playing every weekend. There's not enough places to play. So if you're not playing, you should be at a show or you should be at three shows that night. In Scranton, there's probably five places with live music at any given time. Mm-hmm. You could go to all five places that night and and see all those bands and, and how much it means to actually go and appreciate what's going on, not just like true. pop in, have a beer, don't pay attention to the band, but go up, shake a hand, say hello, pay attention to what's going on and and, and build a, a true relationship there because that that community at the end of the day it's always going to support you more than, you know, showing up some random place and, and doing it. And that right that's true. so important. So I, I really, I hope that any, like a lot of the people who are listening to this are from that music scene. I hope they pay attention to that. Whereas you're hopping trains and going to different parts of a huge sprawling metropolis to, to go to an open mic, to go to a show, to do that and support other people. Whereas like they're driving a couple blocks or, you know, walk can walk between the different bars and true
1: and uh, and, I, and I and I like that you say that because when I first started like saying I wanna put myself out there with music, I couldn't even afford a bus. So I walked. I walked to shows and open mics and then like I got a job and then I started, you know, taking buses and then Uber became a thing. And I started taking Uber and then like I got a better job and then I got a car and so forth and so forth. And it's like whether it's Philly or anywhere in life like people get this idea, like if it's more than three blocks, I don't want to go there and you just got to go past three blocks because you'd be surprised who you'd meet or like who, when your life comes back, like the first person that booked me like a real Philly house show, well, a real Philly show in general, I met that person again, six, no, five years later on a public broadcast, uh, syndication where I was the host. And I was interviewing their partner and then their partner and I ended up writing a song together, but that all happened because I decided to walk past three blocks, you know, and now we're still friends. I'm going to their wedding and everything. So shout out to Aaron Fox and and Jace Miller, but like, seriously, like you just never know where those connections take you. I, I
0: try to stress that anywhere I go is that as big as the music scene is, and as big as the world is, it's also small enough that there's only three or four degrees of separation between anybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always tried to be the, uh, 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 to my own dismay maybe, but it's always been people over profit for me. That's just kind yes. of the way it goes. And I, I always say to everybody though, when you see somebody getting ahead really quick by stepping on other people, there's only so many people you could step on. Before you need to go back and need something from somebody else, right? True. It, it, it might take a little longer to get there, by you know, being being true. And that's not saying like fake it. And if somebody's like a piece of shit, like kiss their ass. Like no, forget them. But if somebody's you know genuinely a good person, don't take advantage, and and build those relationships, keep them, because you never know who's gonna be, especially like who's gonna blow up or who's gonna open their own venue or who's gonna do what. And being genuine and, and a true person that they care about or care to help or, or just don't like hate <laughs> is genuinely true. a good thing. You only true. step on so many people before you run out of people to step on. True. It's kind of the way that I've always put it. So
1: I, I completely agree with that.
0: And that's uh, every, everything in music always comes around. And, and being a booking agent and working with all the major agent agencies since you know, I'm 35 now, mm-hmm. doing it since I was 18, the guys who were emailing me for ticket counts that were assistants are now vice presidents of, of major booking agencies. Right. True. So if, if I was like a, a, a jerk to them when they were the assistant emailing for a ticket count, doing the grunt work, and now they're the V they're going to remember that
1: yep. those bands that's are routing. So, true. so yeah, yeah.
0: It, you never know where you're going to cross somebody again. So that's, that's really neat. So I want to talk a little bit about what you have going on musically. What, what's, the, what's the plan? What's, what's coming up in the near future? Surely.
1: So I do have a few collaborations where like I'm featured, uh, and those are like TBD in terms of releases uh, with people I've met on TikTok here and there. But um, musically for me, I'm working on an album called A Stranger That You've Met Before. And what that's about is pretty much the experience of meeting people of like minds and finding a home with them. So in my case, it was about meeting people at shows, and uh, it was really inspired out of the tour and the documentary, and just like coming out on a different side of me um, as a person. Because like my my past two full lengths are really dark. Like Solace is basically about you know police brutality, losing my grandfather to cancer, um, you know racism in in America, and I wrote that six five years ago. Um, I wrote it actually yeah about five six years ago then like diaries like the prequel to that is like this is the reason why i feel sad about myself and you know why i struggle with you know mental health and things like that but this this record takes a completely different tone and it's really about you know finding a place of home or safety and you know bliss around talking to people and sharing your truest self and knowing that like even when you're on the road You might meet people that just want to go home when they're when they're like done the show or you know they might even be in your tour crew but like there's sometimes i feel like i just want to be on the road forever because like being on the road is home so that's like what that record's about and like the term a stranger that you've met before it's really about that like feeling of uh entering a room whether it be an office or you know church or an art space a bar anywhere And feeling like the people that you're talking to have known you your whole life. And that's kind of like what I want the record to to feel like but also kind of feel like a playlist of different genres and styles of music. uh, All centered around, you know, being together and feeling at home and the only song that's out right now that's on the record is good friends are hard to find. So yeah. We can
0: find, they, uh, anybody listening can find that on Spotify
1: Yep, Spotify, YouTube, Band everything. Bandcamp, YouTube everything There's already a music video out for that uh, I will do a spoiler alert The version that's going to be on this record is going to be a completely different version than what's out now Cool But um, yeah, I'm working with this producer named Kitsy uh, They're a really great person they, they have a podcast called Left of the Dial And just started uh, doing some live sessions in Philly And it's doing a lot of really good work Uh, I'm working with uh, a few violin players, Lydia Luce from Nashville, Aaron Fox from Philly. I got my friend Brandon Bauer on drums, and and we're doing guitars together. But uh, most of it I'm doing myself. Um, Like, I I wrote the bass parts to it, wrote the piano parts to it. I learned banjo for this record for the first time. I never thought I'd learn a banjo. That's cool. Um, I, I wrote ukulele parts to it, so it's... It's been definitely a difference for me. I can't say this is now like this is me forever, because like I think something I've learned from COVID and just years of gigging is like you can't write the same song forever, but you can be a different person and keep on developing. You know, and that's kind of what I want to show. I like that. Thank so you. a couple
0: things that I that I that I, I want to touch on,
1: yeah. and
0: and it's right in the beginning of what you said. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very excited for the, for the, the music and, and all that, but there are a couple things. things. Um, first of all, the, the idea of features, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge proponent of, of musicians working with other musicians. And, and this is coming from like, I manage a band mm-hmm. uh, and I've managed a couple of bands in the past. And I, I think that getting that outside perspective and, and, and just even if like, the feature isn't the greatest thing in the world or it doesn't end up working out in the long run i just think working with somebody that's has a different perspective on it um mm-hmm. can bring so much to to music and and you've talked a, a few times now about features yeah. is that something that's part of your process
1: you know i got inspired by uh mac miller and chance the rapper actually about okay. features because it's like I grew up on Wu-Tang and Motown. That's, like, how I got introduced to music, like, going to block parties in North Philly and seeing my uncle DJ them, but, like, the idea of actually doing a feature, that really came to me when I first heard Collaring Book, and I was just, like, wow, there are a whole lot of features on this, and, like, being a Pennsylvania head and, like, going to school at Penn State, like, I was friends of friends with Mac Miller's brother, and, like, Mac Miller was like on a new mixtape or feature like every other week during that time, you know, like I'm 32 so people can do the math of what Time of Mac Miller I'm talking about and I just was like this is like pre Blue Slide park And I just remember being in awe of like, yo, it's not about the attention. It's about the art form and different ways you could share yourself And like when I first started playing guitar, it wasn't even so much punk. It was just straight blues I didn't get into the punk circuit until I started going to like Keswick Open Mics, where it was just like a bunch of like folk punk kids there. And that's when I started like learning bar chords and Green Day and stuff like that. And then like after I did, you know, that, and like went to transferred to schools, I played in every type of band I could be in. Like I played guitar for a rapper. I joined a Taylor Swift cover band. I played in a metal band for like two gigs. Like I just was like, what can I do? I don't know what I could do. I want to figure it out. So then when I started getting into recording and I, and I followed Chance the Rapper and, and Mac Miller, I had to think to myself, I'm not a rapper, but I can rap, you know, I'm not one thing. I'm a lot of things. And like, I don't necessarily need to show it in all my albums, but I could show it by working with people that I meet along the way. And um, that's kind of, yeah, I guess you could say it's a part of me.
0: That's Awesome. And then the other thing you mentioned, TikTok. Yeah. I'm huge to bands right now that if you're not on TikTok, you don't, you don't exist.
1: True.
0: Right. Like I think it's, um, and, and now I think, I think that's been a pandemic thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I heard you say you connected to people and I think it's, it's awesome for that. I think it's going to now, as things start to open up, kind of fall in line with like every other social media. True. Like, I think it's going to be just like, yeah, it's Instagram and it's TikTok and everything. But I think for the last year as a musician, I don't know that there's a better place that you could have been putting out content
1: True, and, and, and yeah.
0: connecting with people.
1: TikTok's opened a lot of doors for me in, in ways I didn't forecast, and, and what I mean by that is, like, there was this guitar riff that I really didn't know what to do with it, so I was just like, do it this, ha, 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 and then uh, this person that I met in Lexington, Kentucky, who's from St. Louis, named C+, um, she sang along with it, I was like, that's dope, and then, like, uh, Corey, that's C+,'s name, she, she messaged me on Facebook and goes, hey, Brian, how's it going? It's like, I'm, it's going well. What's up? And she's like, can I ask you a serious question? I'm like, where is this going? She's like, can we make that TikTok duet a song? And I'm like, this isn't serious. This is dope. Let's yeah. do it. You know? <laughs> so like, we're making it a song. We've just been sending tracks back and forth. And, you know, it's definitely her song because she wrote the lyrics. But like, I, I helped out with Arrangement and Melody. And uh, that's like a collab. Um, there have been Twitch streamers who found me via TikTok just whether that's a goofy one, a serious one or whatever, because I'm all over the place with my TikTok. And people said, hey, i listen to to music. Can you write some songs for my Twitch account? So they'll commission me with that. Um, one of my merch shirts went viral. Like literally today as we're recording, someone like TikTok themselves opening my merch from the mail. Like that warmed my heart. So it's just like, these are ways that like, I'm getting like financial and social benefit out of it and like my whole brand with TikTok is just like don't worry about what the algorithm does just be yourself cuz like i think something that i've learned about myself in my 20s and even now is like i used to be so anxious about what do people think how many followers do i get i'm not a fit i'm a failure if i don't get the blue check mark this done the a third and then i realized like yo but what happens if i get that blue check mark then what right you know I was like, I'd rather invest my life as a creator creating and making connections and, and making friends and learning from my mistakes and things like that than be this person where it's like, oh, it's October and I don't have 8,000 followers. I've messed up. Like, that's that's Vegeta thinking. Like, if anyone watches Dragon Ball Z, like, Vegeta always hated Goku because Goku just wanted to be stronger and, and be the best and, and invested on that. And and still wasn't the best. He just was. He he fought for the love of it, whereas Vegeta was just trying to let his ego lead. You know, I don't know right. if you watch anime. I'm probably getting too far with us.
0: I my little brother. So <laughs> okay, I I get I, it. So, I get, yeah, it, but, I get yeah. it through osmosis. So I I know <laughs> yeah. everything you've said. I've heard.
1: <laughs> okay, you Please right? get it. You and it. You get I and I've gotten that.
0: it through osmosis. I've, yeah. I I personally. Am am not as familiar, but I but I definitely like. Yeah, he talks. I listen and I absorb. It, <laughs> yeah,
1: right? it's just about the heart. Let's all I'm yeah. trying to say.
0: No, absolutely. No, I think that's great, and uh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that, that that got me. Yeah. Um. So I I work in digital media. Mm-hmm. That's that's my nine to five gig. Uh, not in music. Gotcha. Yeah, outside, and I think that was a huge thing for me. Right. So like I can take. And and I talk about it often, like I can take a product and there's no question in my mind, you give me a product, I could sell it on the Mm. internet. I'm going to, I'm going to get your sales. I'm going to get your leads. I'm going to generate whatever you need done. And then I started like venturing in on my own with this stuff, right? Like, like selling myself kind of the idea of that and like frustration that you couldn't believe, like in the very beginning of it, where it was like, man like why aren't i growing like if I, this was a company i would i would know these benchmarks i need to hit and everything like that and and i was like man sell like am i just like should i not be doing it and but then it was more slow and it was more organic and when i kind of stepped back i was like i actually like i don't i don't care like i'm just going to do this for me and 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 enjoy what i do and do it it started to grow organically it started to create real connections started to create like these I would never use the word fan, like nobody's my fan, but like these people who enjoy what I'm creating. Mm-hmm. And if there's five hundred of them that enjoy that, that rather than fifty thousand that like are just like looking at it on face value, I'll take that every day.
1: Same. Like That's I, exactly what I'm saying.
0: Hundred percent take that. And and it was tough to like come to terms with that i think like in the beginning when i was like well uh okay so i'm gonna do this and i i I know i love doing this so i want to do it and i'm gonna uh start a youtube channel and an instagram and i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna plan out my growth just like i would with the business Mm -hmm. and and i wasn't hitting the benchmarks and i was like getting very frustrated and then like i was just like no i gotta wash it from that right i gotta just like, I don't want to look at myself as a product. Like, that's not a way True. to live my life. True. So I found a lot more meaning in it and and doing interviews with with people that I'm truly – I, I kind of took it back to what I do with music. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm only going to invest my time into things that I'm truly interested in. I have a kid now. I have a wife. And uh, I, I would rather – anything I'm doing is time I'm not with them. So mm-hmm. it has to interest me and I have to care about it. I'm not going to just – I'm not gonna make clickbait videos, and I'm not gonna, you know, I mean, I'm still gonna make a clickbait thumbnail so you click on it to watch it. But when <laughs> yeah, you get there, yeah. there's real, there's real substance, right? Sure, sure, sure. So I definitely think, and I, and I, think in my 30s, that's when that really clicked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I find I that interesting. Sure, and then, uh, as I dove into everything, mm-hmm. I noticed you're doing a, you do a podcast of your own. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, dreams, not memes.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, I started that podcast in mid 2019. And at first, (laughs) if you really listen to the first episode, I had this like punk idea like podcasts are so pretentious. No one talks about real stuff. Because my only exposure to podcasts at that time was like Today we are going to talk about dehydrated mayonnaise on NPR. And I'm like, who the, like, you know, like, I'm just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like why can't we talk about day-to-day stuff? Like, that was my only exposure at the time. So I was like, I'm going to start uh, Dreams Not Memes because, like, we're going to get real, right? And, um, I, I refused to edit it. I refused. I was just like, if there's a B in the recording, we're going to keep the B in there. And I did that for like the first five episodes. And then a friend of mine was like, yeah, dude, I know you know how to edit audio just because you're a musician. You should edit your podcast. And then I was like, yeah, I should. Because like, I think it's like episode four or five, you hear like cop noises and everything. And I was just like, all right, yeah, this is weird. It's still right. got listens, but I can't carry that tone and, and start doing right. that. Um, but, you know, the mission of the podcast when I first started was like, I'm just going to interview the people I've collaborated with and that's it. Because I was interested in telling the stories of people that have changed my life and asking them, why do they do what they do? Because I think if you listen to my music, you know why I navigate life the way that I do. If you read my blogs, you could find that out, Right. So that happened and then I started expanding to, let me interview people that have hosted me on tour. Then I was like, let me interview small business owners in Philadelphia. Then COVID happened and I was like, the new mission is I'm still gonna interview people about why they do what they do, but I'm just gonna do it to at least one person from the US. Uh, So I did all 50 states and I interviewed musicians, activists, nonprofit business leaders, entrepreneurs, people in corporate America, like from all different parts of the world, and then I started creating my own theme song. I was like, man, I'm turning this podcast to a listening experience now, I had commercials. Um, and then um, I decided that I wanted this podcast to be a learning journey for people that want to know what they want to do when they grow up and asking people from different careers all over the world and trying to make this podcast as like as educational and intersectional as possible. So like, I would say 40 to 50% of my guests are musicians, but the other half is like people that do everything else. And it's kind of like my non musical side of inspiring people to rise above their adversity by asking other people about their stories. So, like, uh, this week, I got to talk to someone um, about how they started a sexual assault support organization in Santa Barbara, California. I got to talk to someone who thought they were gonna be a therapist, but then decided to start their own fashion company. Um, Tonight, I have an edit with Anika Pyle. So it's just like, I really feel pretty awesome to do this and learn so much, and also like connect other people uh, of different backgrounds and all for the sake of education and learning.
0: I, I, I listen to bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. leading up to it and yeah awesome i i enjoyed it and 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 i love i love the name caught my attention first of all right um i love the logo the branding uh, the idea behind it um and what i what i liked and and just a subtle thing that maybe nobody's pointed out before so I'll, i'll try to you know be the guy that does i really liked in some of your social posts where you would connect that guest to like another guest yep and and i think that that's that was i don't know endearing or like i I thought there was something special about that because it was some of it was subtle like one of them was like the little sister of so-and-so or um the business partner of this person and and i thought that that was really neat and and again like the idea of community and and but building those connections to to go back and forth, I, I thought that was just a, a little detail that maybe nobody's pointed out before, but I that I really appreciated as, as, as a user of, of the podcast.
1: Well, thank you. And you are the first person to point that out. And, and I did that for that intent because you know, I, I coming from Philly, like granted, I grew up in a fairly good neighborhood, I still was exposed to a lot of things that you know has traumatized me and set me back and some of my peers like weren't able to do a lot of things that i've been able to do and like in some ways you could say like i wasn't ever supposed to pick up the guitar or have a podcast and things like that and i i kind of believe in the idea that we as people on this earth function in communities because of interests, because of shared experiences because of knowledge And, like, as a day without love, I want this, I want my music to kind of permeate as a way of, like, common understanding and everlasting growth. So that people understand that when you hear me or when you just come to a show that, like, you're here to grow and and reflect on yourself. Whereas Dreams Not Memes, like, I created that, like, as the name as a joke because I was on tour with my friend Marceline and I was like, you know, those Gen Z kids, all they care about is memes, not dreams. And then she made a hat that literally said dreams, not memes. Like, that's that's how it started. I love
0: right? the uh, the winter cap. I saw that. I like yeah, that a lot. That's yeah. literally
1: how it happened. You know, but then as I kept interviewing people and then people were referring me to their friends and so forth and so forth, I was like, wow, I have, like, this motivational community under my music, but I also have a community of knowledge, understanding, and experience and like, if I could create this community where people recognize that, like being human is okay. And like, you can always grow and change. Then that's what I want to keep doing.
0: I love it. And, uh, I, I, we're kind of coming up on, I don't want to keep you forever tonight, but, um, yeah. I just wanted to let you know, I appreciate you coming on and with, ev- with everything kind of, maybe we're rounding a corner here. I'm hoping that, um, I'll have the chance to experience, uh, your performance live. Thank you. You know, sooner rather than later. Um, a lot of very close friends and family in Philadelphia and I, I get there a lot. So hopefully there or if not, if you're ever coming through Scranton, I'm more than happy to host a show. If you're coming through Harrisburg, I have a backyard, you know, so you know hey, you're more than welcome. Either leave. way. we we've, we've done a few uh backyard shows here and the neighbors seem to tolerate to sometimes appreciate it. So uh you know, we have, we, have, we have a nice backyard, so you're always welcome there. And, and hopefully, you know, we have uh, set, up a, set up something um, in the future where we can, can be in community again and, uh, you know, in, in, in art. So I want to thank you for coming on. I want everybody to, to go check out your music on Spotify, uh, Bandcamp, YouTube, the podcast, Dreams Not Memes. There's going to be a million links in the description of this podcast and if you're listening on uh, Spotify or Apple, be sure to give this a, a like and subscribe. And YouTube, like, subscribes, comments down below. I'll shoot you the YouTube links. If you guys have any follow up questions, you can you can ask Brian directly. And um, again, Brian, but performs under um, day a day without love. And the music, I think anybody who who likes this podcast would would greatly appreciate. The podcast, I appreciate um, on a whole nother level just from from doing this for the last couple of months. And uh, it's a much better podcast than this one. So <laughs> go give it a listen and uh, dive into that. And like I said, your, your social media game is, is on point across the board, but especially for the podcast, I think that you're doing some really unique and uh, maybe without even knowing it, like high level marketing stuff with that podcast so so keep it up and and i uh i look forward to seeing in the future everything else
1: thank you you as well this has definitely been a really good time and and i appreciate you and uh hope to keep in touch and see you in person when we can
0: absolutely and and anything new coming out uh you're always welcome back when when the record's dropping uh after the the documentary starts starts rolling out like let's let's hop on and do a a follow-up episode